loves Chachi won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files, I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about The, the Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Based on a true story? Question mark? Yeah. Because no. Spoiler alert. Kind of. We'll get into it. Take yourself back to 1974. On March 4th, People Magazine debuts with Mia Farrow on the cover. That's crazy. I feel like that's been around forever. Yeah, I feel like... I was surprised it was 1974. I thought it was like a magazine from like the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Mia Farrow, you know, from uh, that devil movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Rosemary's Bibby. Rosemary's Baby. That was a great movie. That was a great movie. Uh, April 1974, the world's population reaches 4 billion people. Oh, remember? That was quaint. Now what are we at? Like 70 billion? Seven and a half, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) On July 16th, 1974, Elmer Wayne Henley is sentenced to life imprisonment for assisting Dean Corll in murdering 28 Texas boys from 1970 to 1973. Ooh, you know... You better have a middle name if you're a serial killer, buddy. Because they use it every time. I know. <laughs> it's true. It's like, it's like your mother, you know, and they're mad at you. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> you know, John Franklin Melrother. John Wayne Gacy, you've done it again. <laughs> Killing kids and putting them under the floorboards. Uh, that, you know that show... Uh, Manhunter? Is it Man Mindhunter? Mindhunter. The yeah. the the one on Netflix? Yeah. They did a really good episode. Uh with the the Dean Coral well, Elmer Wayne Henley. With Elmer yeah. Oh, that, I have to watch that again. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, I started rewatching it again and uh so and bad. I forgot like all the different yeah. dudes. But yeah, he was a creeper. Nice. And that nice. whole story, man, oof, it's a creeps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually uh, one of the inspirations for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of body parts. Yeah. <laughs> and that, there was a lot of torture, too. Like, he would nap, grab yeah. teenage boys. Mm. He was like the, the honeypot. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. he would bring Coral. Coral. Dean. I brought you into the board, Dean. He would bring him the victims, and they would put him on the board. <laughs> it's gotten very weird all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, it's gross. Well, okay. I mean, it's a weird show, baby. It is. October 11th, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre premieres in Ox- Austin, Texas. Not Austin. Austin, Texas. Texas. Uh, Austin, Texas. Excuse me. Um... So, uh, where, other than, obviously, Elmer, Elmer Wayne Henley, did the idea for Texas Chainsaw Massacre come from? It starts with Toby Hooper. Ooh. Toby Hooper, uh, the idea came to him in the early 70s when he was working as an assistant film director at the University of Texas at Austin and as a documentary cameraman. He worked for some TV stations and, and things like that. Nice. Uh, Toby Hooper, uh, his father actually owned a, uh, a theater. And he started shooting uh, films. Uh, Toby. Hobie Hooper? That's yeah, Hobie. Dad. Hobie, yeah. <laughs> and his brother was named Joby. Joby. <laughs> Perfect. Hobie, Joby, and Hobie Toby. and Joby and Toby. Yeah, they they got a lot of razzin in town from their names. <laughs> Here come them weird-named Hooper boys. <laughs> Toby started, uh, he grew up in Austin. He started shooting 8mm films at the age of 9. Uh, the British Film Institute has cited Toby Hooper as one of the most influential horror filmmakers of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he yeah. he's the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. This wasn't his first movie. His first movie was an independent movie called Eggshells, which he co-wrote with Kim Henkel, who he eventually co-wrote Texas Chainsaw Massacre with. Have, have you seen that movie? I have not. But I do know it's about a group of young hippies having recently moved into, into an old house in the woods who slowly become aware of an otherworldly presence residing in the basement of the house. Yeah, and this presence is really, really high strung. 
So they all got to walk on eggshells oh, around okay. it. Or it'll get really <laughs> upset and throw a hissy fit. Should have known the question yeah. was the setup. Eggshells. Eggshells. It's not that scary. Uh, I've it's never, scary I've, if, you've, yeah. if you've ever dealt with somebody with a, with a lot of emotional baggage. Yeah, if you got to deal with high-strung people, mm-hmm. very scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had already developed a story involving the elements of isolation, the woods, and darkness. Uh, he credited the graphic coverage of violence by San Antonio news outlets as one inspiration for the film and based elements of the plot on murderer Ed Gein, who committed his crimes in 1950s Wisconsin. If it bleeds, it leads, baby. That's that how it, you do it in the newspaper game. Uh, Ed Gein might sound familiar. I mean, everybody knows him now because of true crime podcasts sure. and whatnot. But uh, he, inspired, he inspired horror films such as Psycho and The Silence of Lambs, Buffalo Bill. And he was a meek little... He was, Mama's boy. It's really funny, yeah. Cause he he was, only killed two. I mean, look, awful uh, <laughs> that he killed anybody. I'm not yes. discounting that. But yes. he wasn't, you know, Buffalo Bill. He was just a weirdo who dug up a lot of he graves. really missed his mom. And made furniture and stuff and yeah. collected vaginas. It was like. He dug up a lot of dead bodies. Oof. Yeah. And, and he made things. That was like the, the one thing with the. Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. is they had a lot of body Those furniture. Those elements. Yes, yeah. the same. Yeah. The DIY. Uh, the, you know, hey, he would be a TikToker now, Ed Gein. He'd be like, hey, DIY, dig up some body. I'll show you how to make a coffee table out of three babies. And <laughs> today's episode, I'm going to show you how to make a skin belt. Yes. Yay. Uh, yeah, he ended up killing two people. Uh, I believe it was pretty much the same day, uh, if I remember correctly. No, I don't. Oh, no, 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 no. you're right. You're right. Sorry. The second one uh, was the lady that ran the hardware store. And when they got into his house, uh, Three of the cops actually quit that day because oh, yeah. they were like, "We can't deal with this." Oh, it was disgusting. It was it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre times like a thousand. Like it was oh, bad. Stink. Yeah, awful. He he would. Uh, God, he's, I, I read a book about him uh, uh, about Ed Gein, and it was the only book I've never been able to finish because it got to the point where in the middle of it were all the pictures, and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but to Ed Gein's credit, as soon as he got into prison, he was a model prisoner and yeah. apparently never hurt anybody ever again. Yeah, well, if only they got him there for grave robbing and not for murder. Yeah, if somebody had checked on him and, <clears throat> you know. Where'd you get all these bones, Ed? Graveyard. Don't ask me about my mom. He actually <gasps> did have a, he had a little Boy Scout friend who would come hang out at his house, but the kid never said anything to anybody. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. Now there's yeah. a movie. Yeah. The Last Boy a- Scout. Ed Gein was crazy. It was a huge deal. You think about like like uh, in our time, like the O.J. Simpson case and how mm. huge it was. Yeah. Ed, the Ed Gein case was that times like a thousand. Well, like, yeah, because huge. nobody had ever seen anything like this. Yeah, it was you know. unspeakable acts. Yeah, and, but again, he was more mentally yeah. ill than he was a psychopathic yes, murderer. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, during development, Toby Hooper used the working titles of Head Cheese and Leatherface. Kind of wish it was called Head Cheese. I kind of did too, because the whole they scene talk a lot about head with cheese. the hitchhiker yeah. and the Head Cheese oh, is head so fantastic. Oh, God, yeah, that whole, yeah. Oh, the whole scene's great. Uh, Hooper has cited changes in the cultural and political landscape as central influences on the film. His intentional misinformation at the beginning that the film you're about to see is true was a response to being lied to by the government about, like, Watergate and Vietnam and... Whatever. Mm. Uh, which now, given the fact that we have so much misinformation, sure. <laughs> don't know if it's really a good thing or a bad thing. It's fine. Because it was done yeah. back then, I mean, it was a, back then. Yeah. for a good reason. And for this movie. fake news. For this movie, it was fine. I, yeah, because it was 74, you, man. You couldn't pull that off. It's now. a movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, they, it's the same thing that they did with uh, Blair Witch when they tried to play that off. Yes. You know. Yes. It's all part of the game. It is. It is. It's not hurting anybody. No. No. 
the idea of using a chainsaw as the murder weapon came to Toby Hooper while he was in the hardware section of a busy store contemplating how to speed his way through the crowd. Well, we gotta get home, man. How do we get out of here? Oh, with a hammer. If I hit him on with a hammer, though. Ooh. Chainsaw. Chainsaw. <laughs> I cut through him real quick. Uh, dance for me. Yeah. Uh, Hooper and Kim Hankel co-wrote the screenplay, and they formed a company called Vortex, Inc. They asked Bill Parsley, okay. a friend All right. of I'm going to say... Yeah. Cool to, okay. It, good, I make better, fun of, better. like, uh, luminescent image. 10 or whatever the hell. Latent image. Latent image. But Vortex. What is Vortex it? Inc. Vortex Inc. Vortex Inc. That's pretty Inc. cool, man. That could be like a Bond villain. Yeah, they asked his friend Bill Parsley for provide funding. Uh, Parsley fo- formed a company called uh, MAB Inc. Uh, through which he invested $60,000 in the production. Sh- I thought he uh, was part of a law firm. Yeah, Parsley, know. Rosemary, and Thyme. <laughs> ah, LLC. That's good. Uh, in return, MAB owned 50% of the film and 50% of its profits. Ooh, that's a biggie. Uh, that's a big w- chunk. This is going to be a lot of numbers, but it's only because it, it makes sense at the end after the film came out. We'll, we'll, we'll circle Get back. Get your pads and paper, people. Yeah. Uh, production manager Ron Bosman told most of the cast and crew that he would have to defer part of their salaries until after it was sold to a distributor. Vortex made the idea more attractive by awarding them a share of its potential profits. It's ranging from a quarter percent to six percent. Yep. Uh, Everybody who's ever been in an independent film yes. knows what deferred payment means. Yeah. It means you ain't getting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cast and crew, unfortunately, were not informed that Vortex owned only 50%, which meant their points were actually worth half of what they thought they were going to be. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean... Yeah, I don't think anybody thought they were going to get d- rich off of this. I movie. don't think they were being sneaky about it. It was just like we got to make this movie. Yeah, and and it's you know, and and I, and obviously you go into it thinking you're the movie's going to make money. You know, it's like yeah, no, it'll be fine. It'll make money. Well, that's a big risk. It may not. You know, I, that's true. It may not. Uh, many of the cast members at the time were relatively unknown actors, Texans who had played roles in commercials and television and stage shows, as well as performers whom Hooper per- knew personally, such as uh, Alan Danziger, who played Jerry, and uh, Jim, Jerry. Jim Sidow, who played... Uh, Jerry! Jim Sidow was the cook the, the with the funny teeth. Uh, who, the one who they show up at the gas station, and he's like, you should come and get some barbecue. You mean the papa? Yeah, well, the, he's technically, the papa. he was credited as the cook. Right, but he's like the isn't he he's the like, dad of Thunderface yeah. and James Franco? I think so. And James Franco, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which we will get to. Well, maybe uh, he's their brother. I don't know because they. Keep... He might be their brother. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I mean, he was when they shot this. He was in his fifties. So it, I, I yeah. mean, dad sounds right. It uh, definitely wasn't the grandpa. Uh, no, I mean, because old. Yes. Yeah. And we saw the grandpa. Uh, Marilyn Burns played Sally Hardesty. The lead role of Sally was given to Marilyn, who had appeared previously on stage and served on the film commission board at UT Austin while studying there. Uh, her other big role she did is that she appeared in a TV miniseries, Helter Skelter, in 1976. Nice. Um, which I've never seen. It's great. I, I okay. mean, it's, it's an interesting take on the whole Manson sitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she passed in 2014 from a heart attack in her sleep. No. Uh, but she did make the rounds. She always came out to the, the horror cons and, and got lots of, signed a lot of autographs and did a lot of pictures. She loved this part. Like, she thought it was very fun. Well, sure. Uh, Paul A. Partain played Franklin Hardesty. Uh, <laughs> Franklin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. I have never loved and hated a character oh, so much. Good <laughs> Lord, man. I, I just would think being on... It's just like, oh, man. That's such... If you're directing that guy, it, yeah. there's such a fine line between completely annoying <laughs> and true to the character, which yeah. is completely annoying. But, man, I have never... 
ever had less sympathy for a disabled person. (laughs) An invalid, as they called him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul A. Partain originally read for the part of the hitchhiker, but the film's director was not impressed. Yeah, because he probably was super over the top. Uh, he's he probably was like the hitchhiker never goes. So I need to do this. <laughs> Hooper had Partain read for Franklin and cast him in that part instead. Uh, Partain passed from cancer uh, in 2005 oh. in Austin, but he actually had a pretty good career. He he did a, a bunch of other stuff. Nothing as ever as big as this, but uh, made a pretty good career. I don't know what that was? <laughs> well, I, he. He's got some really good moments in the movie. And if you think about it, his character, I mean, how sucky would it be to yeah. be the tag along brother? Yeah. And, you know, and everybody's got to get you out yeah. of the wheelchair and you got to pee in a coffee can. And That's then, what your and introduction you is. Yeah. Rolling down a hill yeah. you're with in your, your wiener can. out trying to pee in a coffee can because, you know, buddies won't hold you up. Yeah. He's so you can pee let him like go. a man. Well, it's a big truck. I mean, a van. Van. Oh, it's a van. Well, no, I meant the truck that knocks him down and, and sends him down. It wasn't a big truck that drove by. The wind, yeah, the wind That's is what literally blew him what down. it was. Yes, <laughs> poor Franklin, he just got no luck. Baby. It just rumbled by, and he suddenly like, ah, I'm peeing everywhere. Ah, help me. Yeah. Uh, oh. Alan Danziger is Jerry. Uh, Jerry. Jerry. He has a master's. He actually before this got a master's in social psychology and a master's in social work before he ever started acting. Oh. Jerry's a bit Jerry. of a very smart man. Uh, snooty duty, isn't he, <laughs> Mr. Jerry? Uh, he, his, uh, movie debut was actually in Eggshells, uh, Toby Hooper's first movie. Mm. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was his second and final role. He stopped acting after this. Well, he had enough. Uh, but he started a company called the Three Ring Service. It was an entertainment company since 1978. The company provides entertainment for corporate events and parties. He's now retired, but his current project is perfecting Chainsaw Jerry's Beef Jerky. Mm. With the motto... A cut above the rest. Gross. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be good yeah. jerky. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I mean, I mean you have to make good jerky if yeah. you're going to sell chess. Got to have good jerky if you're going to sell Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre Jerks. 100%. I mean, it's going to have to be good. Can't be its inferior product. <laughs> Terry McMinn was cast as Pam. So it was her first feature. Uh, she was actually spotted in a. Uh, uh, she was doing print work, and she actually was spotted in a newspaper, and Kim Hankel brought her in to oh. read. Um, Wasn't she like a leg model? Or? Yeah. She, they asked her in her final audition to wear short shorts, oh. and because and, apparently she auditioned like three times. But the final one, she walked in, and they were like, yeah, okay, like this is it. That's and, why they had that graphic shot, low shot, butt shot. Yeah. Of yeah. her walking to the thing. Wearing the... Swimsuit or whatever. Yeah. Tiny little butt huggers. After the film's 1974 release, she studied acting in Los Angeles and New York City, was a leg and foot model, did commercials and print work, and continued her work in theater, and she's actually still alive here in L.A. Nice. Yeah. Well, give us a call. They cast Gunnar Hansen as Gunnar Hansen. Yes. From Iceland. From Iceland. It's Gunnar. To play the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Massacre, I'm going to have to do some research. I need some places to do some research. <laughs> Can you tell me? Yes. Places uh, for research? Yes. Uh, he actually considered Leatherface to be, uh, quote-unquote, mentally retarded uh, and having never learned to speak properly. Right. Which was the uh, term back then. Yes. I'm not... We're quoting him. Yes, we're not... I'm quoting an yes. article. Uh, to research his character in preparation for his role, he visited a special needs school and watched how the students moved and spoke. And did not give them all chainsaws? 
<laughs> to see how they would uh, just move the chainsaws around. I was like, do some dancing and chainsaw moving and, and the dance at the end. Thank you, Bobby. He had a, he had a great uh, career. Bobby didn't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it Bobby sad. cut yes. his own leg off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the inspiration for falling yeah. down and cutting his leg. No. Uh, he had a great career. He did a bunch of, he was a big dude. Like, yeah. he had a bunch of, like, you know, monster lumbering, st- lumbering stuff. And uh, unfortunately passed in 2015 from pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And he lumbered no more. Honestly, he was probably the best actor in the bunch. You yeah. Tell he did his research. I mean, it's a completely over the top, you know, crazy character, but it is, he is scary and weird and yeah. he does a really good job. We rewatched this uh with uh Phoebe and her first response was is there something wrong with him? <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's acting. He's 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 doing a good job. Yeah. Uh Edwin Neal as the hitchhiker who is my favorite character. Oh yeah. Uh, his introduction is amazing. He's incredible. Uh he received a bronze star for valor during his service in Vietnam in 1969. He also appeared in Oliver Stone's JFK as the Mercer interrogator. Ooh. But his big thing is that he has done a ton of voiceover work. Uh he did three voices for Metro Prime 3 for the Wii and he set a record doing 26 different voices uh in the uh, only completely in the completely unedited version of all 103 episodes of Gotcha Man Battle of the Planets. It was an anime. Okay. He did 26 different voices. And uh, he looks remarkably like James Franco. I mean, uh, is yes. it James Franco? Yeah. yeah. To In the point movie. where Phoebe was like, <laughs> how old is James Franco? <laughs> Because he really looks like James yeah. Franco in that. There's a couple shots where it's like, he's, wow. He's not in his 70s. But, and that was the thing that was weird, too. It's always weird watching these movies with the young kids and then thinking, yeah. like, God, they're all, like, 70-something now yeah. if they're still alive. Yeah, a lot of them. That's the unfortunate is a lot of them have passed. Uh, because it's, you know, just it, but 1974 is just how because it was. Because time, baby. Time. 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 Stop. Yeah. If I could save time <laughs> in a bottle. John Dugan was cast as Grandpa Sawyer. Uh, he was actually <laughs> 20 years old when they filmed the movie. He looked awful for 20. I'm telling you. <laughs> Very that must bad. have been out of his son. He actually... <laughs> it was a pretty flimsy-looking mask, too, by the pretty, way. It was not good. <laughs> it was not... Did not have the budget for the, the good... Although his hands <laughs> matched, so, I mean, at least they tried. Yeah, no, they, I, mean? I mean, it was gross. It was super gross. Yeah. Uh, he actually appeared again as Grandpa Sawyer in Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, the, the fans demanded it. The, yeah. <laughs> They, they were like, which is John? If John Dugan doesn't play the part of Grandpa, we're not coming to see that movie. Yeah, well, and he did, and they did see the movie because nobody <laughs> saw that movie. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I didn't see it either. Um, yeah, we'll get into all the many, many weird sequels and remakes uh, near the end. Uh, perhaps the most interesting to me was that the voiceover at the beginning, the narration, and the opening credits was done by John Larroquette. Yeah, old Danny Fielding. Dan Fielding. Dan Dan Fielding. Oh, I love John Larroquette bow, bow, bow. so much. I mean, he did other stuff too, but Dan yeah, Fielding but, is a great oh, man. character. He was great. Did you ever see that movie Blind Date? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was such a sniveling. Oh, <laughs> he was just so gross in that movie. So perfectly gross. Yeah. He was absolutely. I love John Larroquette. And he was great. And if you yeah. l- watch it again, you can hear it. You can, you can actually hear it. Yes. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back into the filming and the production and uh, talk about the impact. Filming. The small budget and concerns over high-cost equipment rentals meant the crew filmed seven days a week, up to 16 hours a day. They were kids, baby. It's yeah, just I mean, chocolate and bananas for them. 20s, yeah. they didn't know. They were just like, we have to do this. Yeah, I mean, look, when you're making a movie, it's a lot more fun. It's exhausting, but it's a good kind of exhausting. And yeah. if everybody's game and everybody's playing, then, yeah, you'll work. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're all stuck in Texas with yeah. that house, yeah. man. you got to finish it. Yeah. 
I only got the cameras for so long. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, that's what they shot for 30 days because I don't think he wanted to rent the equipment for more than a month. Yeah. Uh, the environment was humid, and the cast and crew found conditions tough. Temperatures peaked at 110 degrees on July 20th. Yeah. If you've ever been, I used to go to uh, Texas for summers. Oh, I was yeah. my grandparents, and oh, good Lord. The humidity was you bad. You walk out, and it's just like you took a shower. It's like whoosh. You Ugh. just soaked. Ugh. And then the mosquitoes start eating you. Then you drink some iced tea. Get a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> sun tea, some sun yes. tea. Yeah, I, I, growing up in Iowa, the humidity was pretty bad, but it was it's nowhere near as bad as like Texas and Florida. It's gross. Humidity's gross, and now it's everywhere. We thought yeah. we escaped it in California. Nah, this bad summer was bad. Yeah. Uh, Gunnar Hansen later recalled, "It was ninety five, one hundred degrees every day during filming. Then I wouldn't wash my costume because they were worried in the the, the lines we might lose it, or that it would change color." They didn't have enough money for a second costume, so I wore the mask 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week for a month. P.U., I said. P.U., P.U. <laughs> I get just wearing that mask for 16 hours a day. Uh, talk about head cheese, baby. Ugh. 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 I can't even imagine I'm how they all he turned it. I had to turn it inside out and, like, wipe it off and stuff. I mean, I assume he did. I mean, they must have done something. Ugh. Oh. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was mainly shot using an Eclair NPR 16mm camera with fine grain, low speed film that required four times yeah. more light than modern yeah. digital cameras, meaning it got even hotter inside the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those, those lights, lights were, baby. Yeah, they are not, you know, and they were probably using big lights. Big Fresnels or something. Yeah. 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 Most of the filming took place in the farmhouse. It was a 1900s farmhouse, uh, I believe just north of Austin. It was filled with furniture constructed from animal bones and a latex material used as upholstery to give the appearance of human skin. Did a good job. Yeah. It looked very real. It was really yeah. gross. The whole... Whoever designed all of the set decoration was a disgusting sociopath. That was Robert A. Burns. He's yeah. a disgusting Gross. sociopath. <laughs> he drove around the countryside and collected remains of cattle and other animals in various stages yeah, of decomposition. Gross. F him, man. F <laughs> him if I was on that shoot. Because that not only is it hot and humid and nasty, but now it stinks. Like yeah. decomposing animals all throughout the house. It's like, ah, man, where do I go to get away? Now I'm pissed. Now I don't want to work 16 hours a day in that stink hut. No way, baby. Uh, he also covered the walls with drops of animal blood. Oh, God. Uh, and there was almost no ventilation in the house. Which probably brought flies <sighs> and more bugs and just and maggots. So and, gross. Uh, <laughs> anybody check on, what did he do after this movie? How many I years did, in I prison did, did he do for murder? <laughs> How many bodies were buried? But he did the job so well. Yeah, a little too well, Adam. A little too well. <laughs> Uh, the special effects were simple because of the limited budget. Uh, the on-screen blood was real in some cl- some cases. Uh, the scene in which Leatherface feeds Grandpa, yeah, they I they couldn't this. get the fake blood to come out of the tube, so they actually cut Marilyn Burns' yeah, finger. That's just how it goes, man. You don't have a lot of time. You're trying to get the tube to work. And then finally, she was probably just like, screw it, just, just cut my it. finger, just yeah. cut my finger. Yeah. And they're like, really? And then the Grandpa guy... Uh, John Dugan was probably like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> this is tasty. Yeah, so he's like, mm, 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 I like this blood. And then he and Robert Burns go across <laughs> the country on some killing spree. Oh. <laughs> you never heard of the Dugan and Burns murder spree? <laughs> yes, they did an album about it. Dugan and Burns, sing the classics. Uh, by the end of the shoot, Marilyn Burns' costume was so drenched with stage blood and some real blood that it was virtually solid by the last day of shooting. Ugh, they're lucky nobody got a staph infection or something in this movie. Yeah. 
Well, people got hurt, but I don't yes. think anybody got like an infection. Literally, even even Hooper came out and said very specifically that uh, pretty much everybody by the end got hurt. <laughs> and well, you don't. I mean, that kind of stuff happens when you're doing this. I can't tell you how many times I've been hurt oh, doing yeah. some rinky-dink stage production or some crappy short film or something. I've had stitches. I've had bruises. I've had bumps. Safety had is sprains. never yeah. your, your top priority. And it's also your fault, too, because you get all into the moment and yeah. you want to be all like boobity boo. So, you know, you got to take a little bit of responsibility. But still, it's not – you don't have OSHA – Sitting around on that set, you know, making sure right. everything is compliant. <laughs> no. Uh, the scene in which Leatherface kills Kirk with a chainsaw worried actor William Vale, who played Kirk. After telling Vale to stay still lest he really be killed, Hansen brought the running chainsaw to within three inches of his face. I would have walked. Yeah. And I would I, have been like, if you, man. That was well, the funny thing is that there is literally no information about William Vale, so I don't think he did any more acting yeah. after this. I Maybe think he, he died. He Maybe they buried him under the thing. Under he the... was a victim of Dugan and Burns. Yes, the very first. <laughs> the very first Dugan's and Burns collaboration. A real hammer was used for the climactic scene at the end, with some takes also featuring a mock-up. However, the actor playing Grandpa, John Dugan, was aiming for the floor rather than the victim's head. Well, so it looked like he hit the head a couple of times. I think he did. I, it might have been the mock-up, hopefully. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, Hooper noted that at the rap party, all the cast members had obtained some level of injury. He stated that, quote, everyone hated me by the end of the production oh, yeah. and that it just took years for them to cool off. You've everybody's been involved in something that is just if you're you know, if you're an actor or whatever, you've done something that is just pure hell that yeah. when you meet up with somebody else that was in it, you're like, oh, my God, you're like survivors. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a yeah. bond that you'll have yes. forever because you've been through this traumatic event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they finally finished filming, uh, they pretty much destroyed their entire $60,000 budget during post-production. They estimate that the budget ballooned anywhere between $90,000 to $300,000. Yeah, because everybody underestimates post. Here's the two things that independent yeah. filmmakers screw up on. 100%. Yes. Post and sound. Yes. Everybody thinks, oh, anybody can do sound. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they no, can't. Sound no. is an art just like anything else, and you better get yes. somebody who knows what they're doing or your thing's going to sound like crap. So don't skip on sound. It's one yeah. of the priorities. And triple. Yeah. I know you say <laughs> double, double, but triple what you think yeah. it is, and then double it, and that'll be your post. Yeah, it's it was ridiculous how much they end up spending uh, in post. Uh, the film had troubles finding a distributor. Uh, it was eventually released through Bryanston Distribution Company. Uh, obviously, most people thought that it was going to be, you know, gross. Um, and it was. I mean, it didn't have a ton of visible gore, but it was. It was. It had. It was not the gore, man. Yeah, it was yeah. the vibe, and it was the body parts, and it, it was the it was cannibalism, so putting and off. It's so and, and just the realism of it. Yeah, talk about shambling murders like Halloween or yeah. Jason. The, Leatherface is not a shambler, man. Oh no, that chub chub could run like <laughs> Usain Bolt, baby. Good. That guy, shot for shot, running right after a teenage girl. Yeah, belly yeah. bouncing up, hitting him in the face, carrying, carrying a, a chainsaw. running chainsaw. <laughs> Gunnerman, that dude is a rock star. Yeah, and there's a reason that the oh, uh, super frightening toughest man on earth is that what's called strongest man on earth mm -hmm. is always an Icelandic guy. <laughs> yes, yes, they're tough. Oof. Yeah, 
<laughs> so the film was released through uh, Bryanston Distribution Company. After everyone at the top was paid, they had put in a bunch of money to it, and they took like 35% of the profits. Oh, yeah. Distributors. Distributors. <laughs> distributors. Distributors are snakes a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they will read your contracts, people. Read yes. them. And then have a lawyer read them. Yes. And then maybe have another lawyer read them because there's always going to be something that's going to screw you yeah. up. Because, hey, they just want to make money. A lot of oh, them yeah. are just oh, predatory, yeah. baby. They do not care about you no. or your movie or anything. Because gonna, they yeah. get money first. Exactly. And they don't care if it makes $5,000. They get that $5,000 exactly. and the rest of you can F off. Exactly. So it's like they won't promote. I mean, it's just it's an yeah. awful system. It is. Uh, after everyone at the top was paid only – and at the top being the distribution company, it wasn't the cast and crew like Toby Hooper and, and the producers and stuff. There was only $8,100 left to distribute between the 20 cast and crew members. The producers eventually sued the distribution company for failing to pay them their full percentage of the box office receipts. Uh, eventually, in 1983, the movie was bought by New Line Cinema, and the producers re- received a much larger share of the profits. Uh, it eventually went on to gross more than $30 million in the wow. United States. Now, that took about eight years. Well, sure. But it's a, I mean, it, it was one of the first real cult yeah. horror hits. It was uh, screened nationally in the United States as a Saturday afternoon matinee. <laughs> what? The same thing with Night of the Living Dead, man. What's up with Apparently, these people? That was a thing. I don't know. I it doesn't. Ugh, let's go get. Let's take the kids. Uh, let's see. Should we see uh, Bambi? They reissued that. Um, well, we've seen like five times. Yeah, we've seen that a bunch of times. What's this Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing about? I'm sure the kids would love it. <laughs> Tommy loves tools. <laughs> He loves hanging out with me. Yeah. Uh, marketing is a true story obviously helped attract a broad audience because it started word of mouth. Yeah. You, know, you got to see this, man. It's a true story. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I ain't never going to Texas. There are people I know that still, I mean, up to like 10 years ago, still believe it was actual real, like yeah. real, real. There's a lot yeah. of people that are idiots. Uh, for eight years after 1976, it was annually reissued at first-run theaters promoted by full-page ads. Like I said, the film eventually grossed more than $30 million between the United States and Canada. Well, because it was, it was an underground hit. It was this yeah. dirty little secret that people had, you know, let's I go would, see it. I would go see it every yeah. year. I would totally, totally. go see it every yes. year during, during Halloween. Like, that would be great. Uh, it had $14.5 million in rentals, which, was, uh, which made it huge, uh, making it the 12th highest grossing film initially released in 1974, despite having a $60,000 budget. Uh, among independent films, it was eventually overtaken in 1978 by John Carpenter's Halloween, which grossed $47 million. Hmm. We'll be covering at the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, Hooper, uh, for some reason. Hooper! Hooper. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, did somebody call my name? He thought that the MPAA would give the full uncut movie a PG rating because of the lack of visible gore on the screen. Oh, that's super sweet. Yeah. That he would think that. <laughs> Instead, they gave it the X rating. Yeah, because it freaked them out. They yeah. were just like, this yeah. goes against all of our religious beliefs. How dare you use blasphemy? He cut out several minutes, and they eventually moved it down to an R rating. And uh, it was actually recut into a romantic comedy <laughs> between uh, Leatherface and uh, Pam. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, nice. It's very cute. Yeah. At the end, they both dance with the chainsaw. And then they get in the back of the truck, and they leave. Yeah, and there's like Ooh. little skulls being pulled behind the... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> in the car, like just in just love. Married. Yay! Yeah. Uh, in San Francisco, theater goers were disgusted and walked out. In Ottawa, Canada, the police started to shut down a theater, showing it on morality charges. Hey, oh, look, this is uh, immoral. So you know we're gonna have to ask you to leave. 
and we're going to shut it down here, okay? <laughs> this is not Canadian, okay? We're a nice people here. We don't like watching this stuff. Uh-uh. <laughs> Take your movie and go back to the U.S. of A, buddy, okay? Have a good day. Such a dead-on Canada impersonation. That's great. Uh, the movie was banned in the U.K., uh, in fact, it was banned for 25 years in the UK. Good Lord. Uh, they tried, in fact, to the point they didn't want this movie to be shown so much that they banned the word chainsaw in any movies that were what? released. Yeah. In fact, there were movies that were knockoffs of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that had to change their titles oh. to be released in the UK. <laughs> uh, most of that the was... The Rocky Mountain Chainsaw Jubilee! <laughs> they, they changed it to the Rocky Mountain Buzzsaw Jubilee? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> That was mostly due to uh, the British uh, Classification Board, um, uh, sorry, the British Board of Film Classification director, James Furman, was in there for like 30 years. And in 1999, he actually retired. The board immediately passed it with the theatrical and video distribution of the Oh, 18. you bastards. Just yeah, waiting for my retirement to get that yeah. damn chainsaw movie. It was, it was the proudest day of my entire <laughs> life of being in charge of the BBFC. was when I made sure that that chainsaw movie was never shown in London. Yeah. Wait. And now it is. It's being released? <laughs> it's oh, <laughs> damn it. It's actually pretty good. I watched it. It, was it wasn't good. that bad. <laughs> the Australian Classification Board refused to rate it until 1984, which made it essentially not able to be seen in Australia for 10 years. Well, Australia is just a bunch of criminals. You, know, you think Australia would be like, yeah, this is great. Well, they don't want to encourage all those criminals to start carrying <laughs> chainsaw. <laughs> Uh, it was banned for multiple periods in I love Australia. many other countries. We had yeah. a good Australian guest. We do have Brendan. a good Australian He's back in Australia. He had enough he of is. the USA. He was probably smart on his part. Yeah. Although God knows Australia's not doing great either. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it was banned uh, in many other countries, including Brazil, Chile, Finland, France, Iceland, Ireland, Norway, Singapore, Sweden, and West Germany. Sad that it was banned in Iceland. I'm sure Gunnar was probably super excited to oh, go. Oh, my parents like, want hey. to see it. They were so excited to see it, and they couldn't. <laughs> That was, it was very excited to see me dance with the chainsaw. I practiced very many days. <laughs> uh, the film really helped establish the kind of the slasher genre. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, weren't, there weren't really anything before that. Well, you had, uh, I mean, I guess the closest thing would be Night of the Living Dead, kind of. Yeah, mean, yeah. But that was, I mean, it was very different, but it was still a very unsettling horror. It had the same kind of vibe, kind of, that it just made you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, yeah, I mean, this, if you look at, like, any of Jason, Freddy, yeah. Michael yeah. Myers, The Hills Have Eyes, all of yeah. those movies wouldn't be made if it wasn't for the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. Yeah, if it wasn't for Toby Hooper and his need to make this movie. Well, he invented the mass psycho, or at least yeah. popularized the popularized mass psycho. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. But he also used tools. Like He, he was yeah. a guy that used other weapons rather than... You know, right. like a gun or, you know. Yeah, it was it was the conventional tools as murder weapons that, that kind of got aped by everything after that. Yeah, because all of the murders were either a chainsaw or a hammer. Yeah. Or, you know. Just stuff you can find around your house. Exactly. Just yeah. laying around your house. DIY, baby. I mean, no, nobody in Texas is going to buy special equipment to murder people. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so funny. It's everybody in Texas has like 40 guns. I know. <laughs> and nobody gets shot. Yet, That's what I love. None of them carried a gun. It's uh, He did have a pocket knife, though. Franklin and his pocket knife. Ooh. Oh, man. He loved that pocket knife. <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott cited Hooper's film as an inspiration for Alien. Yeah. He, he pitched it. He's like, look, it's basically... Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. 
Actually, that's actually a pretty good description of Alien. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Uh, the they f- cut out the Franklin character, though. Originally, oh, yeah. uh, Tom Skerritt was going to be in a wheelchair, and he was going to just scooch around the ship going, hee-hee-hee-hee-hee, <laughs> 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 stupid aliens, hee-hee-hee, <laughs> 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 I'm going down to the planet, I'm going to leave you here, Franklin, hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> It was really funny because I haven't seen this movie in a while. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it a number of times. Sure. But I've probably seen it in like 20 years. And the first murder was so surprising. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just not expecting that at all. And That's I, what's brilliant about it. Yeah. And it's it's just the whole cinema verite of it. Very much like Night of the Living Dead where it's – and it makes sense with Toby Hooper being – having like documentary background. Yeah, and, yeah. And shooting for TV stations and stuff. But that first – it was just suddenly like – I barely looked away and I was like, oh, my God. He just – he's dead. <laughs> Grab the dude. And, and you knew you were in for something when he shuts that metal door in the oh. kitchen. And it's like, why you got such a big, thick metal door in the kitchen, buddy? <laughs> What's going on in there? Well, God knows it. God, I can't even imagine the smell in there. Oh, and when he pops the girl on the hook, man, it's just like that poor girl just watching as he choppy chops up her boyfriend. Yeah, screaming. I mean, what do you do? Like, it's you, just, you die, and yeah. you get you get it. Yeah, you yeah. get served as barbecue in the local. <laughs> this is why when you're in Texas, people don't eat random barbecue <laughs> in the middle of nowhere because it's either roadkill or people kill. Just go to Chili's. <laughs> no. <laughs> Same thing. Same problems. Just the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yes. Especially in Texas. Uh, so the film was followed by seven other films to date, because God knows they're going to make more of them. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it, it. they started making them. The 80s became a sequel factory. Yeah. Where they just, especially with horror movies, yes. they completely ruined, just drove them into the ground until there was nothing left but ash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first sequel, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, came out in 1986. Uh, and the tagline was, finally, Hooper and Hopper together <laughs> at last. Because Toby Hooper and Dennis Hopper. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Two is actually a really fun movie because Dennis Hopper is... He's like a, a Texas Ranger or something that's like yeah, going after yeah. the family. Yeah, because uh, it's it was part of his family. He was related to somebody. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. First movie like his daughter or something yeah, was yeah. one of the the victims. Uh, it was con- considerably oh. more graphic and more oh, violent. Yeah. It had a much bigger budget because by this point, Toby Hooper had I don't had he done Poltergeist at this point. What year? Eighty six. Yes, Poltergeist was before this. Yes. But he had done a bunch of other movies. He did Life Force, which is one of my favorite Toby Hooper movies. <laughs> Life Force. Uh, came out in 1985. Um, Space Vampires. I actually had the pleasure, uh, the New Beverly, every year they do a Halloween thing where they start the movies at like 7 o'clock at night and they go to like 6 in the morning. Oh. And it's just like eight movies back to back. And Life Force is one of them. And Toby Hooper actually came out and spoke. Nice. And it was cool to see. Uh, very sad when he, when he passed. But... Uh, but he was great. He was brilliant. But so at this point, they gave him a bid budget. They said, yeah, we can cash in on this. We can do this. Uh, and then immediately upon release, Australia banned the movie for 20 years. What's up, Australia? <laughs> Just do not like Chainsaw movies. Yeah. Uh, the first release it got in, in Australia was a revised special edition DVD in October of 2006. Take that, Australia. Yeah. Probably again. One person going, <laughs> nope, nope. Can't can't do this. Can't do this. <laughs> nice. Okay, so then in 1990, it was uh, Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which yeah. was the second sequel to appear, although Toby Hooper did not return because he was shooting a movie called Spontaneous Combustion, 
which I've never seen. Uh, I don't know. It came out in 1990. Um, but Kim Hankel did write this. so It's unforgettable. Yeah. I mean, it's forgettable. Sorry. <laughs> yep. it's, it's completely forgettable. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 1995, they went a new direction and released Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. So bad. So unbelievably bad. Starring um, Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Who, judging by their performances in this movie, should have never had careers in yeah. Hollywood. My God. Yeah. It's really There's a reason good. why you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Because the... Everybody involved in it is so mortified and embarrassed by this steaming pile of poo that they put together that they need to bury it with the E.T. cartridges (laughs) and all the Beach Boys albums. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It briefly acknowledges the events of the preceding two sequels, but its plot essentially makes it a virtual remake of the 1974 original. 2003, the remake, it was Platinum Dunes, which was uh, Michael Bay's company, uh, directed by Marcus Nispel. That was when they were reimagining all the really good horror movies. And and, and I'm reimagining, I'm making my little quotey quotes. Yeah, yeah. Because they just retreaded garbage, 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 garbage. Yeah, it was... they were, they were unnecessary. Jessica Biel was She's that, great. Yeah. I love Jessica Biel. But no. It just wasn't necessary. No, because it didn't. It was a glossy, slick yeah. Yeah. horror movie. You mentioned something before that is really important. You mentioned that because of his documentary work, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he shot the film, he knew. One thing about shooting documentaries is you know how to get emotion through the camera and how to capture right. moments because you have to find those moments. Yeah. Because you don't know what's happening, you know, whether right, it's in the right. interview or whatever is happening. So he used those skills to really create a, a, a film that was so visceral and mm-hmm. so uh, unsettling. And like you said, there was not a lot of glory, but the not a lot of gore, but the shots of like you know oh, the God. chainsaw. It, it, was it was mortifying, yeah, and it was yeah. so like cinema verite. It shot so much like a documentary. That's what made it so. Yeah, because it feels like you're watching something that you shouldn't watch. Yes, and that's part of the uncomfortableness. Yes. Now, if you make a glossy, tons of crane shots and helicopter yeah. shots and beautiful, moist. Yeah, Hollywood actors with abs Just and butts. Slick and, enough. Yeah. yeah, you try to make the Leatherface even more frightening by blah blah blah, but it just makes right, it right. less everything. It's just it's less is more on these movies, and this is what people don't understand. All these remakes fail because they don't realize that the magic, the lightning in the bottle, is the fact that these little movies were put together so well that right. they elicit such a feeling of dread or such a feeling yeah. of uneasiness yeah. that you can't capture in a big budget movie. I don't think. No, I agree. I agree. Just. Leave it alone, people. <laughs> Let us have our classics. Now, granted, I will say I'm happy for Toby Hooper because I'm sure he made a lot of money off that movie. So Great, I'm yeah. I mean, 100%. But, it know. made enough money that they followed it with a prequel, a sequel prequel called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the Beginning, which came out in 2006, which, again, I don't think I saw. It's all about Leatherface, who we find yes. out his name is Timothy McMeans. McMeans. Timothy McMeans. And Timothy... Has the aspirations of being a Broadway dancer. That's all he wants to do. But he lives in Texas with his crazy grandfather who likes to make furniture out of people and animals. <laughs> and his brother who just gets back from Vietnam and has gone a little bit of cuckoo, cuckoo. Has his little pouch full of crap and his Polaroid camera. And his dad who makes food out of people. So he's just like, I just need to escape. I need to get out of here. And I need to dance. It was much like Billy Elliot. He's like, I need to dance. And uh, Did it inspire Billy Elliot? A little bit, yeah. And then the grandfather, 
takes a hammer and bashes him in the head. And he doesn't dance anymore. He never dances again. And oh. his face is all gross. So they, he, he takes the face of his mother, <laughs> cuts it off of her corpse, and puts it on his, puts a little makeup on and stuff. Gains a lot of weight because he's not dancing anymore. Oh, yeah. Picks up the he chainsaw. Tries. Yeah. He tries to dance, but... Picks up the chainsaw, ironically enough, to actually create ice sculptures for, for weddings. But he <laughs> accidentally kills somebody who was watching him make this ice sculpture and finds that that's a little bit more his passion. And wow. then we've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You literally described the prequel Leatherface that came out in 2017. Yeah, that's, I just, yeah, I saved you all an hour and a half. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. Uh, really? You don't think that that was the I part? hope that is, man. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm going to write to the director if it's not. It would be awesome. But wasn't that like a DirecTV Yeah, like, Yeah, it came out in thing? 2017. It, well, it, it was DirecTV, but eventually, within a month or two, it was released on like video on demand and stuff like that. I'm curious. I, I, I really, I didn't. It's set in the 50s. I don't like, think I knew that existed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before that, there was Texas Chainsaw 3D, which... <laughs> It was a direct sequel to the original 1974 This is where film. it gets so confusing. Another direct sequel, which it literally ignored everything else that had come before and made a sequel. Now, I've never seen Texas Chainsaw 3D, but I didn't know it was a sequel to the original movie, so yeah. I'm kind of curious. What year was it, man? Uh, it came out in 2013. Oh, so it was decent 3D then. Yeah. Not yeah. like Jaws 3D. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but I guess, you know... Okay, you've squeezed every last ounce of what you can out of this franchise. So yeah. leave it alone now, okay? Let's just take, let's just wash away all the bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't watch the, the original CDs. again. Yeah, I, uh... exactly. I mean, if you want to watch all the other stuff, go for it. The thing is, I, I'm sure people are like, well, I really got to see that next generation thing because if it's that bad, yeah, it's probably pretty yeah. good. And people know. Yeah. Do not be sucked in with the, it's so bad, it's good. It's just so bad, it's bad. It's bad. There's no fun the, or joy in it. The eight different movies that are available uh, for the Texas Chainsaw Universe are available, except for Next Generation, on four different streaming services. Yes. Um, you can watch the original on Tubi. Uh, there's a, Which we did, which I recommend because... You, there's commercials, <laughs> but for some reason it's kind of fun. It's like watching watch it in 1980, yeah. I remember seeing this movie mm -hmm. for the first time. I told uh, the story of my uh, my movie marathon with my sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was... Was it in... Was it one of them? One of them. Oh, man. And, yeah, so, man... That's a good... Not... Yeah. I mean, all of them were in it. Halloween. Like, oh, it yeah, was a yeah. good... Nice. Scary mar nice. movie marathon. They popped in a couple of, like, 50s, yeah, you know, yeah. filler fillers. But, man, this one, too. Oh, my God. It scared me so bad because it's... It was the... It's the boogeyman come to life, man. Oh. I was way too young to see it. Oh, yeah. But, it, yeah. you know, that guy running around with the chainsaw. You know, I saw it after I saw Halloween and stuff, mm -hmm. after I saw the Lumberers. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, you see this guy running around with a friggin' chainsaw. And when that scene where he literally chases her for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And all the way back to the barbecue. <laughs> I mean, they go Just all the way back to the barbecue. That's like a run mile for or so two. long. Yeah. <laughs> At full trot, baby. Um, With that chainsaw in the yeah, air. Yeah, but it's just like her scream. It's just so scary. Oh One of the most unsettling scenes of all is where they just go to these beautiful green eyes of yeah. the lead actress, and and they get right in on one of her like the micro shot on her eyeball with yeah. all the busted blood vessels and it's just yeah. zipping around like it's going to pop out of her eye socket at any second. It just creates such a feeling of dread and scariness that after that movie, 
I mean, I, I'm surprised I didn't need to go to therapy after this movie marathon because <laughs> I was so unsettled with all the cannibal. It's the cannibalism, man. Yeah, yeah. There's so it's, much cannibalism. The movie, the movie can most accurately be described as unsettling mm-hmm. because the, when you finally see, like, he comes, and it's not like they hide Leatherface, but when he walks out and you're like, what the f? What are you wearing? And that scene at dinner where they're all just like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> they just laugh for hours. And she's screaming and she's like, ah, and they're all screaming back at her. And it's just There's, like, and she's like, please, uh, please, they're going to, don't let them eat yeah. me. And yeah. they're just like, <laughs> you're going to be tasty. Oh, God, man. It's, there's so Could many you things. you imagine spending Thanksgiving with that family? Like, no. Like, you're the one guy I that went to it, college. And I don't want to see, <laughs> don't want to be there. You're the one Leatherface family guy. You're Tommy. And you, <laughs> you know, you, you, you get a scholarship because you worked really hard and you go away to Texas A&M and you come back for Thanksgiving and you're just like. Why'd I even come back? <laughs> what, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I got a whole new life. Leatherface should have played football. He could have played football. He's a big guy. Yeah. Especially that chainsaw. Everybody was, <laughs> I'm not going to tackle him. That would be fantastic. Just running around the field. <laughs> the chainsaw. It was really funny because I really thought he was the... I totally forgot about the running. Because at the beginning, he doesn't run very fast. But then by the end of that movie, it's like, holy shit, he's not stopping. No. Like, he's just going to keep on coming. He... Is very determined. He's a he's a very goal oriented young man. Yes, and he will not let his dinner run away. <laughs> I actually saw this after I saw the movie Summer School. Oh yeah, which had uh, the two guy the two horror guys. They love Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, yeah. and they love Chainsaw Massacre, and they. So that was the first time I saw Leatherface. Oh wow! And then I watched the movie, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is not what I was expecting." Yeah, yeah, well, yes. This was the beginning of the golden age of horror yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties. There's never been a better time for horror yeah. movies. The new stuff. Is okay, you know, the Annabelle's, yeah. whatever's, but they're just Malignant. so slick. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's all high concept, uh, uh. high special effects, jump scares. I just want to see another little, like like the, the VHS movie was pretty good. Yeah. Because it yeah. was these little unsettling stories yeah. that were like found footage VHS stuff mm-hmm. and lo-fi horror movies to be effective, to, for me yeah. at least. yeah. They need to be dirty around the edges. They yeah. need to be something yeah. like I'm not. I'm watching something I shouldn't watch. Mm-hmm. And and when it's just this glossy, you know, CG fest yeah. like yeah. malignant is that what yeah. just came out? Yeah. You know, it's like okay, cool. There's some neat stuff. There was some fighting, cool stuff you know, in effects it, and stuff, but, but the like, story's yeah. lame. The acting's lame. Oh my god, you know, it, so bad. it's it's just it just it, it doesn't work. If you do a sci-fi yeah. horror movie like Alien or Aliens, sure. You need a budget. 100%. Yeah. You need yeah. a budget for that. But if you're trying to get scares, human scares, about human fright, about a human and another human, yeah. Yeah. you need to go small. Smaller the better. And that just proves it with Night of the Living Dead, yeah. with Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. with Halloween, with Friday the 13th, with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Every single one of them. The first one, small budget. Guys had yeah. to figure out. How to make the scares. That's the thing. You've got to figure well, out how to is, make the scares. This is what was disappointing to me about Malignant is that I love Saw because James Wan made Saw for like sure. $4. Yes, and exactly. Like, and and the fact that he had money and he made this, I was like, come on, man. Yeah. James, you're better than this, man. Like, do better. He he thought of a he thought of a twist. 
and a gimmick. <laughs> Which and he wasn't original. Reverse engineered this story around a gimmick, in yeah. my opinion. Yes. You know, I, I don't want to... Yeah, know, don't guy, give it away, because someone did give it away to me, and I think it's part of the no, reason no. I don't like it. But yeah, I, I didn't know when I watched. And, and it's a decent twist, but it's just... Takes a long time to get there, yeah. and it—I don't know if it was worth the journey. Yes, uh, you know, once you get to the destination, I say no. So, all you young filmmakers <laughs> out there that want to make horror movies, challenge yourself. Yeah, you know, get a low budget. You know, even if you get a big budget, shoot at lo-fi. Shoot yeah, something on yeah. sixteen. Yeah, you know, find a way to make the scares practical and the makeup practical. You know, it's like it's the it's the visceralness. It's the being able to touch it and feel yeah. it, you know, yeah. all of those nasty tables and chairs made out of bones <sighs> and latex and all that stinky real roadkill. Robert A. Burns. <laughs> you know, that stuff is effective. That's why I got an X yeah. rating. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in there. There's no nudity. There's not, like, any limbs or anything being chopped up. You don't even really see them getting killed. Like, it's always either Shot shown from reverse. their face. Yeah. yeah or face he's or, just chopping them. Or you can just, it's like, oh, he's, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's not a ton of stuff. It's it's really not that gory. You don't need to see it to make it scary. It got an X rating because it freaked freaking people out. The people that watched it were so unsettled. Yes. That they were like, nobody should see this. This is an abomination. Yeah. It will warp your mind. Exactly. It'll yeah. take you out of the church. But it's really interesting to see that Toby Hooper made this because he knew he could because of George Romero. Because yeah. they made Night of the Living Dead so cheaply. And he's like, yes, we can do this. And he had a vision. Mm-hmm. He had a story to tell. And yes. he had he had uh, social commentary to sneak in there, too. Yes. And every horror movie that pops a little something, a little bit of broccoli in with all of its <laughs> sugar pies... Those are the best. And if it has to be subtle, too. It can't just be like, this, the environment's yeah, being ruined, yeah. and here's an um, environmental monster that's going to eat all the environmental <laughs> polluters. But, you the, know, I mean... The Shyamalan movie. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yeah. They neglected this poor little kid. Yeah. Who, this special needs kid who drowned. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mom is... Spoiler alert for a 40-year-old movie. You know, we'll talk <laughs> about it later. But, you know, I get that. Halloween. You know, there's, yeah. there's something behind it. There's something behind yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, I think Halloween is the it's the beginning of the soulless. Yeah, you, you know. Well, it's it's a critique of trying to brush the problems under the rug. Right. You know, yes. it's like, oh, there's an issue with this kid. We'll just send him off. To exactly. The you and can't, ignore the secrets are always going to come up. Yeah. You know, and so all of, that's what was great about all these '80s horror movies, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, April Fool's Day, <sighs> which is a great, great movie. movie. Uh, which all the way to the end, you're like, is this real? Is this not real? Yeah, and it yeah. does a brilliant job. Um, what's the one uh, where it's revealed at the end? Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. Yes. Oh <laughs> you my didn't God. even have to no, say it. Right. I knew you were talking about. Sleepaway Camp. Brilliant movie. Yeah. Touching on themes that are oh yeah, way ahead of its time. Yeah. Not the most sensitive way of dealing with it, of course, but it was the time. But yeah. I'm just saying, it's not a horror movie's job to be... Super sensitive about no. social issues, but bringing up so many social issues are brought up through horror movies, and so many social ills are able to be explored through these horror yeah. movies. You know, cons- you know, the consumption of right, of right. capitalism is the you know is what yeah. can- cannibalism is. You know, <laughs> we're eating ourselves. Well, so, that's why they, at the end of Night of the Living Dead, they had to kill the hero. Like it was, it, they ha- they had to leave it in because yeah. that was that was it. It's like no, this is real. This is what happens. It's bleak. Yeah. Yeah, there's sometimes things are oh. bleak. Sometimes there's not a happy ending, and I think that's 
what really freaked out people back in the day was not getting their happy ending. And I think that's what really started to yes. get them to, you know, with Night of the Living Dead. They freaked because they yeah. didn't get a happy ending. Yeah. wanted to ban that movie. Well, even watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. again, the ending with her just screaming in the back of the, of the truck, and then it goes to black. Yeah. Even Phoebe was like, oh, my God, that's it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's it. You know, it's that's just it. like screams and maniacally she's laughing. She's gone crazy. She's, she's gone crazy. Yeah, she's yeah. lost her mind. Yeah. And it's not a happy ending. No. Leatherface no. gets away. The whole yeah. family gets yeah. away. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's what I think challenged these people where they're like, how dare you? Where's the comeuppance for the evil? Yeah. And without that comeuppance, then it's like, oh, well, then I guess they, they're evil and they're supporting evil. This is evil. It must be evil. And it's just, you know, it's like, no, dumb, dumb. You, Put on your, your smart cap for a second. Subtext. Yeah, exactly. I just, I think. I, I I really subtext is baffling for some people. Yeah, I just yeah, think yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not there. 100%. I just think some people are one hundred percent black and white, and what a sad way to live. Yeah, I agree. Either way, I mean, if you're all white or all black, you know, you're missing a lot of gray, yeah. baby, and that's yeah. where the fun is. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, we're out of time, so uh, we're gonna uh, come back next week. Yeah, we got another little ditty called the Friday the Thirteenth, baby. Yeah. Ooh, ch ch Join us on Friday the 15th for Friday the 13th. <laughs> the third um, scariest day besides Saturday the 14th. <laughs> which is a great movie by Roger Corman. Yes. Saturday the, with uh, Richard Benjamin. Yeah. Mm. It's a great Put that movie. on your list, people. I'll have to watch that before <laughs> next week. I, I just want to point out this is a little bit late, but we have a brand new logo designed by yeah. our great friend and talented artist, Terry Bruce Herring II. I'm sure, I'm sure you've all seen it, um, but we just wanted to thank him. And if you are looking for any sort of graphic design needs, uh, yeah. get in touch with Terry. TBH2 TBH. Yeah. is yeah. uh, his design company. Um, he does such amazing work. Great work. and So uh, good to work with, too. Yeah, like easy to work with and completely listens, and he will put together exactly what you need. Yeah. So uh, we can be happier with what we got. We love the guy. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Gunnar Hansen later recalled. He was 9 to 5, 100 degrees every day during... Oh, wait. He's Gunnar. He's, sorry. He's Iceland. Okay. <laughs> it was 95, 100 degrees every day during... We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Charlie's Angels, already in progress.